All right, now we're going to uh, handle part two of our show, our, our email. And before we get started with the regular emails, I, just, I need to read this one because uh, this young man is responsible for costing me my weekend. Uh, my name is Peter. I live on Long Island, New York, and I have always loved Walt Disney World for the way they can immerse you in one of their stories through their rides. And hopefully one day I'll be working there in some sort of set design. Uh, I have personally also always thought they could immerse you the same way with video games. And when I heard your podcast last week, what they were doing with the Nintendo DS at the theme parks, I thought it was a very good idea. The only thing that kind of annoys me is the fact that they are not doing more of this. And uh, he talks about uh, me mentioning that I'm an avid video game player and uh, asks, saying most likely I have played the video game Kingdom Hearts for the PlayStation 2, which was a collaboration between Disney and Square Enix, where you go through various Disney stories and interact with their characters. And it was a popular, popular enough video game that they made a sequel, which did very well. And his question for me is, why doesn't Disney start merchandising on this quickly growing franchise? When one of their made-for-TV movies did well, they went all out and made bags, shirts, CDs, and then brought it to DVD. So I'm wondering why they're not doing the same with this game. Um, you know, I, I've wondered the same thing, Peter. And uh, I had uh, I played. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the game Kingdom Hearts, if you're a Disney fan, and even if you're not a video game player, if you have a child in the house that is, mm. go out and buy the game. It is incredible. This was a one of the only times I think Disney's ever done a decent video game. But that's because they 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 paired up with this company, Square Enix. It's a Japanese based video game company. And uh, their their biggest their big hit was uh, the Final Fantasy series, and they kind of merged some of the characters from their Final Fantasy games with Disney characters, Mickey, Donald, Goofy. <laughs> and what you do is is you go it's a whole this whole very elaborate storyline that they do, and you travel from world to world, and each world is a different based on a di- different Disney film. Like in the first one, uh, you go through. Uh, well, you go to Beauty and the Beast, you go through The Little Mermaid, you go through, uh, oh boy, I'm trying to think of all of them now. It's a ton of them. There's a ton of different ones. And it's a great, great game. Really in- engaging. Great storyline. And then last year they released the uh, another a sequel to it, Kingdom Hearts 2, which I hadn't bought until after I got this email. So I went out and bought it. That and was the there, was go- there went my weekend. <laughs> so thank you, Peter, for for killing my weekend and for the carpal tunnel I now have in my right <laughs> hand. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know why Disney hasn't taken this concept because it's been, I mean, hugely popular. I mean, last year I think Kingdom Hearts was one of the top three selling video games of mm. the year. This is very popular. This, and, and, it's, and it's reaching a market of people that would never normally step foot in a Disney theme park. You've got 20-somethings. You know that, or, or teens th- that are playing this, and I don't know. I think it's a great, it's a great game. If you haven't played it, why Disney isn't merchandising it more, I don't know. It might have something to do with the uh, partnership with Square that there are limitations on the licensing because the characters are not all Disney characters in this, and uh, they're re- they're being real hush hush on rumors about a third version of this game. I think Disney should take kind of what they're learning from from that collaboration and start doing more games 
and more interactive things in the park. I think what they're doing with the Nintendo DS and the Pirates of the Caribbean and Disneyland, which apparently they're not doing in Disney World, which kind of bothers me on one side, but as Kevin has mentioned on a number of occasions, having unique experiences in each of the parks is kind of important to keeping all these parks not homogenizing the entire experience. So I guess I can I can live with it, but um, I think there's a lot more Disney can do with video games that are aimed more at the older teen and adult market because a lot of a lot of adults out there play video games. So if um, if you don't play video games but you want to see what Kingdom Hearts is about, go make your kids play it and sit along and watch. But it's a long game, a very 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 long game. You can easily spend two hundred hours, two three hundred hours playing this game. So. Is that an online game? No, it's a PlayStation Two. I'm playing it in my PlayStation 3, which is a cool video game system, but doesn't hold a candle to the Xbox 360. But <laughs> that's a topic for another podcast. So, all right, who's got, um, who's got an email they want to read? I do. Ms. Julie? Mine's from Sarah in Toledo, Ohio. I want to start by saying that my husband and I love the Diz. We are addicted to your podcast and have downloaded all the po- past episodes and eagerly wait for Tuesday when the latest will be available. Thanks for keeping us updated on the latest and greatest in Disney. Now on to my question. My husband and I are in our late 20s and have recently planned our next Disney vacation. On this trip, we have allowed two days that we are going to spend outside of the parks, exploring the resorts, and enjoying the pools. We have lots of great ideas on how to spend our time in the daylight hours, but are running short on ideas in the evening. What are your suggestions for evening entertainment outside of the parks for couples without a car? I came up with a list of things uh, for you and your husband, Sarah. I started with Pleasure Island. It's one of the most you know obvious obvious nightlife spots. There are six different clubs to choose from that you can dance in or just relax and enjoy the music and have a drink. They have carnival games outside in the street for you to play. And there's also the Comedy Warehouse, which has unscripted comedy routines. They run four shows Sunday through Wednesday and five shows Thursday through Saturday. Also at The Swan, they have karaoke at Kimonos, which it's can very be a popular. lot of fun. Yep, very popular. <laughs> and if you enjoy sushi, that makes for a great dinner date as well. They also have carriage rides at the Port Orleans or Fort Wilderness. I think that could be something that's a little more romantic. And maybe at Fort Wilderness, you can go into the little store. You can have a bottle of champagne or wine or something on your ride. Also at the west side, um, downtown Disney, you could go to House of Blues. Um, if they're having a concert, maybe while you're here, it's a fun place to go and spend some time. Or Cirque du Soleil. Um, if you don't have a whole lot of money to spend, go see a movie at the Pleasure Island AMC Theater. Or um, Jelly Rolls on Boardwalk. They have the dueling um, pianos. That's also a lot of fun. Another popular yeah. popular spot. <laughs> My other suggestion would be din- dinner at California Grill in the Contemporary, where you could watch Wishes from the 15th floor observation deck, which is for the restaurant patrons only, so you wouldn't be overcrowded with people. And then my last one would be maybe to watch the Magic Kingdom fireworks from the Polynesian Beach, where you could also see the electrical water pageant, which I know Kevin's not a big fan of, but it's <laughs> classic Disney, you know. And that's that's all that I came up with, unless you guys have other ideas. Well, I think, you know, there's a lot you can do that doesn't cost any money. The atmosphere at Disney for couples is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A stroll along the boardwalk. Anything. Hanging out at the beach, right. you know. Anything time you can get away from the but kids I figured, could you know, be special. They're exactly the same age as Corey and I, so I thought of all the things that we love to do. You know, the marketplace at Downtown Disney, just walking through at night. Right. You know, I just was thinking of things a little more upbeat. 
walk <laughs> Not past. that you guys. <laughs> yeah, just walk, spin around. Mm. Comedy Warehouse was fun. It was a lot of I fun. haven't been there in ages. So I gotta go check. I gotta go out. Another popular that. one in downtown Disney, or I'm sorry, at Pleasure Island, is the Adventurers Club. Yeah. yeah. The Adventurers Club is sort of the same thing. It's an unscripted thing where they interact. The, the staff interacts with the cast, or the cast members interact with the patrons. They actually used one of my stories, the Comedy Warehouse. You know how they just they ask somebody in the audience to, to give a story that's original? Well, I had one, and they actually didn't believe that it was true, but I used to have a pet squirrel in college, and um, I accidentally sat on my pet squirrel, and... I told them the story, and they created this whole skit about it. About oh, it was it was pretty sad, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> I still think that's a euphemism for something. <laughs> sat on his pet squirrel. You sat on your pet squirrel. I didn't know it was kind of. How does one acquire a pet squirrel? <laughs> I, I found him on LSU's campus, and he crawled right up to me. And uh, pet squirrels are us. Put, uh, <laughs> I put him in my in my little LSU hat. Brought him to the apartment. I used to bring him to my design class. I say you used before to bring him or class. after you sat on him. Yeah, yeah after Bob. I used to <laughs> Are you sure you're talking about LSU and not LSD? LSU, yeah. No, but yeah, I used to bring him in my class. He would hop, he would hop on all everybody's desk, and the teachers didn't mind at all. But it was sad when I had to break the news to the entire class. Where's your squirrel, Corey? He you died. Co- you cosetted his squirrel. Where, where have you been, Bob? Wake up, Bob. You said you sat on him. Wake I didn't. Up. You didn't say you killed him. He used to. He used to well, go. Okay. He used to go in my sheets on my bed and kind of cover up, and I was. I was doing something. I was talking on the phone or something. I didn't realize it. Yeah. A squirrel oh. that weighs less than a pound versus Corey, okay, who's so over 100 pounds. I think be he more killed specific. it. I killed the thing when I sat on it. That's better. Uh, oh, it's not good for the squirrel. That's a, that's a luck. That's a luck <laughs> oh, And then God. we made gumbo out of him. Oh no! <laughs> All right, I have one from Dirty Bunny in Luden, Tennessee. It's an interesting name you have there, Dirty Bunny. Um, trying to convince my wife that getting a DVC membership is a good idea because we are looking at going to Walt Disney World several times over the next few years because of the birth of our daughter. And I wanted to know what the benefit of a DVC would be compared to just going to Walt Disney World on a package with hotel room tickets and Disney dining plan several times over the next few years. Well, it really uh, it really comes down to how many times over the next few years and is it over the next few years or the next several? Uh, when you buy into Disney Vacation Club, you're buying in for about, what is it, 40 years? Right, 46? Yeah, right, yeah, right now it's 46 years. I 46 believe. years. And uh, you're paying, um, what is it, $101 it a point? just went up to 104 $104 a point as of June 1st, I believe that's the price. So, you know, and you're going to you, really, you're going to be looking at about, mm, probably about 400 points, three to 400 points, I think most people. It's probably the average. Some people do less, but... I think most people do about three or four hundred points. So you're talking about roughly forty thousand, a forty thousand dollar commitment that you're going to pay off over the next uh, what is it, a six year mortgage? Yeah, I'm not sure what the new terms are, but I think you can finance it anywhere from six to ten. Six to ten years uh, that you're going to be paying this off. Now, once you pay it off, after it's all paid, all you have to do once the mortgage is paid off, all you're paying every year is your dues, and so you ask yourself over the next, let's just say over the next 10 years, how many times, this is what John and I did when we first thought about Disney Vacation Club, did, you know, how many times did we think we were going to travel and what would we spend on a hotel room? Because remember, this does not, tickets isn't included, Disney Dining Plan isn't included. I mean, you can add on a Disney Dining Plan to your DVC vacation, uh, but you can't, but you don't get tickets with it or anything like that, so... 
this is just basically a replacement for what you're going to spend in the hotels. And it really, I, I'm sorry, I, unless you just don't use it. It's, it is so, I think it's a great deal. I think it ends up being a great deal because the most important thing is that your price is pretty much fixed. The value of your points never changes from year to year. So whereas every year the price of a hotel room goes up and up and up, that 400, let's say 400 points that you buy, you are guaranteed those points, the value of those points is guaranteed never to dilute. They're never going to charge, they can't charge more. For example, let's say this month, if a price of a studio is 30 points a night, just pulling a number off the top of my head. If the price of a studio is 30 points a night in May, and next May they decide they're going to raise it to 40 points, well, then they got to take 10 points from another, another time of the year. There's always a balance that they have to keep in terms of the value of those points. So effectively what you're doing is you're locking in the price of your DVC unit. You're, lock, or you're locking in the price of that hotel room at what it is right now. It will never go up. It will never cost you more. Uh, your dues may go up a little bit depending on you know, enhancements and things that they make to the resort. But the DVC resorts are all deluxe resorts. These are not values. They are beautiful rooms. I think DVC, personally speaking, does an incredible job. And I've said for years that the best sales pitch we could make for Disney Vacation Club is that when John and I moved down here from New Jersey, we wouldn't sell it. And that we live 15 minutes away from the resorts. And we still have Disney Vacation Club. Because when family comes into town, it's nice. Uh, John, I know, rents out the points. And you, you can rent out your points if you're not using them. And get a pretty decent, uh, it's a good deal for the people who are renting them. And it's a really good deal for you. And it is a deeded property. It is a deeded mortgaged property. It's yours. You can will it to your next of kin. You can borrow against it. It is, you actually own like three blades of grass at a Disney resort um, for $40,000. So, but I think, I think if you travel to Disney, what do we figure out? Twice a year? If you're twice a year visitors? At, at the time, I think it was twice a year. Now, I think you have to remember too is you have to, try to compare apples to apples you know when you're thinking about this person wrote in their email how do you compare it to a package you can't really compare it to a package you also like you pointed out these are deluxe resorts so you can't compare it to staying at the all-stars the same goes true for how many times a year can you stay here the points change based on season and popularity so you may get enough points where you can stay the entire month of september or you may get enough points where you can stay the week between Christmas and New Year's. It right. also depends on the size of the, the, unit the accommodations right. you're looking to stay in. Right, because you can get a studio, a one-bedroom, a two-bedroom, or a grand villa, right, which is right. a three-bedroom. So think about how you in, you would travel in general. Are you a budget resort person? Are you a deluxe resort person? How often would you stay? When you like to travel? And all that sort of ties into helping you compare if this is a good bargain for you. You also can use these points through the exchange program through other... Uh, Interval International, International. and uh, RCI. Right. They're good on the Disney Cruise Line. Uh, I will say this. I found that um, it's always better to rent your points and purchase Disney Cruise Line as opposed to using your points. That's always been my experience. Disney Cruise Line has never been 
of a good value when you use your, your DVC your, your points. DVC points, yeah. Um, you can also use your points to stay at other Disney resorts. That's Although, great. again, it's a lot higher. The point value per night is a lot higher if you're staying at a non-DVC property versus one of the DVC properties. That's correct. Also, if you use your points Sunday through Thursday, it's it, you get more bang for your buck. Oh, yeah, the points are always higher on Friday and Saturday. Right, right. so being cautious on what day of the week you use your points as a, and then maybe trade out to a, or go out to another hotel for the other two nights. You also get more bang for your buck by staying at your home resort, correct? Oh, yeah, That's, but yeah, you, um, yeah the, your home resort, you can, book, uh, you can book your reservations 12 months in advance, 11 months in advance. Months in advance. And uh, at a, if you're booking at another DVC resort that's not, your home resort is seven, six, seven, seven months? months in advance, yeah. So, you know, we uh, we have it at Old Key West, which uh, personally I think is the it's the best of all of them. And uh, but you know everybody everybody thinks their home resort is the best. So, and I'll tell you, you know, you also don't have to go through. We're going to have uh, somebody from the timeshare store on the show in the next few weeks, and uh, I really highly recommend you check out the timeshare store. We've been doing business with them for a number of years now. A real honest outfit that uh, people resell their points. And, uh, you know, instead of paying $104 a point, you're paying substantially less. And uh, I, I strongly recommend you check them out. You can save some money doing it that way. Same, you know, everything's the same when you, once you buy. You're an owner just like you would be if you bought directly through Disney. You're just getting it at a cheaper price, that's all. And uh, dealing with somebody who I think is probably one of the most honest businessmen in Orlando, Tom Yeary. Um, like I said, we've been doing business with him uh, for a long time. They're sponsors on the, on the boards and on the Diz. And I can't recommend them highly enough. So, But uh, DVC, I think, is a great value. Great value if you, travel down, if you travel down here a lot or plan to travel down here a lot. So, I have one that's kind of a follow-up to that, Pete, so I want to read that one to you. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's from Jason in Las Vegas. And Jason says, a recommendation for the local who is asking for a great deal for a short-term stay at a Walt Disney World, Walt Disney World Resort. I would, I would recommend renting some DVC points for staying during the week of the value season. I just wanted to, to read that and expound on what you said and sort of ex explain the, how you rent points through DVC. You get points every year with DVC. They renew every year, and you have a certain number that you can use. If you can't use them, you're allowed to bank them. You're allowed to save them. Or if you need more, you can borrow. So you're allowed to have about three years' worth of points at your disposal. Some people find that they can't use all those points. It's just they can't travel, something changes, and they can't use them. So they've found out what they can do is they can rent those points to other people and it'll give other people a chance to stay at a DVC resort for a substantially less amount of money. Substantially less. We have a rent trade board on the Diz, which is a great source to go and look for people who are renting points and to also try to rent your points. Now, I'm not going to give you know anybody any recommendations of who they should choose or not choose, but you want to make sure you use someone who has probably been on the boards for a while, has a good reputation, Ask for references so that you know that they're not trying to scam you. But I would say 99% of people Get your deal in writing. To get your deal. If you do anything on the rent trade board, get your deal in writing before before you give anybody a check. But 
I have to throw that in because right. we had a problem. We have very, very few problems in the rent trade board, but we did have one a few weeks ago. So I just wanted to make sure I throw that in. Get in writing. Also, there's people, depending on who they are, they've set up sort of their own policies. People will want a percentage of the cost up front. They'll make the reservation for you. They'll send you the confirmation. Then they'll want more of the reservation money. And then before you travel, they'll want the balance because then they have restrictions on what they can do with those points if you decide to cancel. What's great about it is points right now are going anywhere from $10 to $12 a point, depending on who's out there selling, renting them, depending on uh, what the demand is for those points. So if you look at something like $10 a point, you can get a studio off-season for nine points a night. So you're talking about a studio at Old Key West, Boardwalk, Saratoga Springs for $90 a night. That would, if you rented it flat out, would probably cost you between $250 and $300 Exactly. So you're getting a great deal, and also the person who has these points is able to now get some, generate some income from them. So that's another point of should I buy or should I not, should not, should I not buy is that you have another avenue to recoup maybe your um, your maintenance every month. You know, I mean, you may be able to rent just enough to cover your maintenance and the rest you use yourself. And I think that's a great way to sort of um, distinguish DVC from other timeshares as well is that it sort of has this other intrinsic value that I, I think belongs to it as well. That's all I wanted to say. Cool. All right, who has another email they would like to read? This one is from Donna in Ontario, Canada. She says, Hello, everyone. I have recently started listening to the podcast and cannot tell you how much I enjoy them. My first one was with the Martins flight on the Sky Coaster. She says, No more listening while driving. <laughs> she also goes on to say uh, how much that the site has helped her in planning her Disney trips. Her question is about her husband, who is a beer snob and a great cook. She's looking for recommendations for his birthday dinner on November 3rd, and she would also like suggestions to present his gift to him. It is tradition for her family uh, that the birthday person gets presents, flowers, coffee, hot chocolate, something like that on their birth. On their birth. But this year, he asked her to make a donation to the Make-A-Wish Foundation as his present, which she has done. But she wants a really cool way to present it to him at dinner or you know during the vacation at some point. So... Um, she says that she thought the group would be able to come up with something pretty neat for her. Thanks for everything. He's a beer snob. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you have? Why don't you go over to the? Uh, you know, have a, a very uh, low key meal over at the uh, Big River Grill at the uh, boardwalk, true. and then uh, arrange with them in advance to take a little tour of the microbrewery they have there. And then maybe uh, while you're in the microbrewery, because they'll, they'll take you in the back and they'll show you exactly how they make all their beers. I, und- I I'm not we a beer, did it. I'm not a beer drinker, but yeah, I understand good. it's a pretty good. Uh, it's a it's a pretty good microbrewery, and it is. Uh, you know maybe present it to them there. Maybe just the sweet magnolia brown ale. <laughs> to get that out. Also, <laughs> Raglan Road. Also, yeah. Oh, Raglan yeah. Road. Yeah, Rose and Crown. At uh, Epcot. Those are all places. Also, November 3rd, they're going to be here for the Food and Wine Festival. So, I mean, there are plenty, plenty of kiosks or stands that they can. Well, I would consider, yeah, you know, we're talking Raglan Road, uh, Rosen Crown, and uh, the Big River Grill. Whichever one you select, I would uh, get in touch with them in advance and tell them that it's a special celebration. You want to do something unique and kind of kind of work something out with them um also if he's a good cook 
I, you just made a mention of the fact that he's going to be here during the Food and Wine Festival. Mm-hmm. Maybe she could hook him up with one of those cooking demonstrations. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. I like what you suggested earlier. I suggested going... Um, eating at the Brown Derby. Eating at the Brown Derby and giving me a little special Oscar for a Make-A-Wish kind of thing. This is your gift. You've yeah. made somebody else's dreams come true. Yeah. Here's your special nice. Oscar. I like that. I think that's a really neat idea. Or you can go to one of the character meals and have maybe Cinderella or someone come and present him with a certificate. They uh, will yeah. They will really go above and beyond definitely. for you. I also thought maybe at Narcoosie's, you know, we've mentioned that several times because you guys had such a good time there. But, um, you know, maybe during Wishes, present his Make-A-Wish certificate or whatever it is, you know, saying, you know, I made your wish come true. Something like that. I'm tearing up. <laughs> I think that's really nice that he wants uh, a donation to make a wish for his ah, birthday. Yeah, that's great. So I think that's a classy thing. That's a very classy thing. At least we didn't put him on the monorail today. <laughs> yeah, give him beer on the monorail. <laughs> yeah, beer on the monorail. Get a birthday button. I hope we gave you some good ideas, Donna. I have one from Amanda in Augusta, West Virginia. This August will be our first trip to Walt Disney World for our daughters ages six and four. The four-year-old will probably not be the four-year-old will probably not be tall enough to ride some of the e-ticket rides. My question is, how exactly does the baby swap work? And she goes on to ask a few more questions about it. Um, baby swap is really, really easy. Don't get all tangled up in it or, or fretted up with it. Get in line. When you get to the front of the line, just say we want to do a baby swap. And what they'll do is one person, parent guardian adult will be able to ride the ride they'll take the other person and the child aside to a special waiting area when the first person gets off the ride then you'll just swap out and the other person will be able to ride the ride very simple don't fret about it most rides have a nice um cool waiting area that's air conditioned so it's not a tremendous thing and most disney rides are a minute a couple minutes long so it's not like they're waiting there a long time and there's enough to keep the kid entertained. And it doesn't matter whether you're going through the regular line or the fast pass line. You're not going to have to get back in line again either way. I think the misconception is that doing the baby swap allows you to bypass the entire line. You do have to wait in the line exactly. the first time. You Correct. all wait as a group. You just don't have to wait in a second time for the second adult to ride. That is correct. Exactly. You can even do it with doing the singles line, too. If you both go up and then just swap out the baby. The single rider's line? Yeah. It normally moves a lot faster. It does. Always. Always. We always use the single rider line, if it's available. Mr. Varley. I have one from Tom from Fayetteville, uh, Georgia. He says, while we stay in one of the Disney Deluxe Resorts at least once a year, we love to stay at Fort Wilderness on some occasions. However, it's been... It's never been able to get... They've never been able to get an annual pass holder rate for a campsite. And he's asking why is it so difficult, if not impossible, to get the annual pass holder rate for a campsite at Fort Wilderness. The the thing is, uh, Fort Wilderness is a, a very popular uh, campgrounds, and yeah. they don't do a lot of discounts over there. They don't there, have to. And they don't have to. I mean, most of the year you won't see that come up as an annual pass holder, and that's the reason you never have seen it, because they just don't need to. Something something I think people need to keep in mind when it comes to discounts, Disney only gives them where they need to. They don't Even when they do an annual pass holder discount in general, they don't give them at all the resorts necessarily. Right. You get them where they need to put people. So if the All-Star Movies 
is the one that has rooms to fill. But sports and, and music are full. You're going to get it at movies. You're not going to get it at sports and music. Same thing with the moderates, deluxes. Right. The, and as Bob points out, with the campsites... If they're filled up, you're not going to get a discount. Never. Right. I mean, I know people that go into uh, Fort Wilderness, and these things are getting booked up a year in advance. And they, like, over the Christmas holiday season, they they book their reservation the year out because it's just people do that every year. People also stay there longer than other campgrounds sometimes. The people who stay there stay for longer periods of time, it seems. I mean, there's people that stay a month, come down the whole month of December or the whole month of July or whatever. And when you compare the cost of a campsite, even the deluxe campsites versus any other room on Disney property, it's so much less. Right. Plus, you bring more people down. You know, right. you might have three, two or three uh, uh, regular rooms worth of people in a trailer. So. And doesn't Fort Wilderness Camp allow you to bring your pets? They have a. They do have a pet section where. You're able to walk the dogs or cats or if you walk cats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't, make, don't be making jokes. Corey owned a squirrel. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, Corey. But, uh, yeah, they do have a pet loop that you can get into there. But that's why you can't get a annual pass holder rate because they generally don't put them out there. It's yep. too popular. Good. Well, thank you, Mr. Varley. I have one from Nancy... Dobrovlowski, I hope I pronounced that right, from Bergenfield, New Jersey. Hello, Bergenfield. Uh, we are possibly planning a short trip to Disneyland in the middle of August. We've stayed at both the Disneyland Hotel and the Grand Californian in the past. These are just too expensive for our short two-day trip. Do you have any recommendations for an inexpensive off-site hotel within walking distance of the main entrance? And the recommendations we've received from the Diz boards are the Tropicana, Howard Johnson's, and Anaheim Desert Inn. Um, we were out there in November doing a uh, doing our uh, Dreams and Liberty Travel Video Trivia Challenge. The trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Julie. The trivia challenge. Have you said that before? <laughs> Only like three hundred times. <laughs> and we're, we stay. We couldn't get. Uh, we couldn't get anything uh, on property. It's a big problem right now. Is getting any availability at all on property in uh, at Disneyland? We stayed at the uh, Sheridan Anaheim. Which is uh, right across the street. It, it is walking distance mm-hmm. to the park. Then again, most of the re- hotels over there are all walking yeah, distance to the walked, park. Ba- we walked back uh, yes, twice. Yes, we did. Me and Bob and Corey. Yep. And I got to tell you, I was really impressed. It was a great hotel. It uh, had beautiful, the rooms were beautiful, the grounds were beautiful, the food was good in the restaurants. Concierge. You can even get a view of the park. Great. Corey yeah. and I could see uh, the Ferris wheel. We saw the fireworks yeah. every night. Every the night. Room. Right. Yeah, that's great. I saw the parking lot. And uh, price-wise, <laughs> <laughs> now, price, now, you know, does this qualify as inexpensive? You've got a price point around 150 a night um, in comparison to what Disney is charging on property? Yeah. If you want something that's a little bit nicer that you're going to have. See, for me, this is going to sound so snobbish. You couldn't get me to stay in a Howard Johnson's. I wouldn't do it. I don't like them. I think they're too. I, I, I just. I. That's not where I stay. Um, by the same token, I'm not real big on spending four hundred dollars a night for a hotel room either. Give me something nice. Give me a brand that I know has some level of quality to it, where quality is kind of attached. Now Sheridan's a little touch and go. 
these days, but I can tell you the Sheridan Anaheim is was excellent. I we were really really mm-hmm. impressed. We were really impressed with the rooms, the property, the price, everything. So I would recommend that's my recommendation. Now I can't speak to the Tropicana, Howard Johnson's, or the Anaheim Desert Inn. I've never stayed in them. Candy Cane Inn, of course, is a real popular one out there, but that's yeah. always booked. You can never get in there. But that's my recommendation. Mm-hmm. I say the Sheridan. That's but that's me. So, but I in any in any case, you can have a great time in California. I love it out there. I absolutely love it. So, all right. Anybody else? I have one. I have one from Laura Clarkson in Carnforth, England. And she says that she just wants to say how much she likes our podcast and the lively banter amongst the team, which often makes her laugh out loud. Us too. All the information that she's gained has helped. Uh, The question she has is about the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Do we think that Disney will uh, ever expand this service to older princesses? She's 28 and would love to be transformed into a Disney princess for a few hours, but I would feel, will I feel a little stupid in there with all the 10-year-olds? That's not something we can answer for you. It's all going to depend on how you feel. However, they do have a minimum age, which is, I believe, three, but they don't have a maximum age. Any can be, anybody can be boutiqued. I mean, I can go in and get into the oh, bibbidi bobbidi boutique? I'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the video camera. <laughs> They were talking about this on the UK community board recently, and she finds that she's not the only one with a wish to be a Disney princess. She thanks us for our time. Laura, it's my understanding that as long as you're over the age of three, you can be boutiqued. I do not know what the range of available dress sizes is. I don't know if you're looking for the full package. I know there's the coach, the castle, and the... Deluxe. Tierra. I don't know. The moat. <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> There's three. There's the coach, the castle, and the slipper or something like that. But yeah, you can go, by all means, go and be boutique. I have a feeling that if you show up with your credit card, they're not going to worry about they're it. They're not going to turn you away. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but it is sad that they, I mean, like, you know, for people who do want to do that, they need to make adult-sized princess costumes. Oh, they do. I just, you know, I don't know if it's the petite section or the Lane Bryant section, but <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, and there's... People who want to, Laura, go do it. It's I say, I say do it too. Go do it. Have fun. Yeah. Who cares what everybody else thinks? Well, so there's going to be people that are wearing gold mouse ears. Yeah. You're never going to see these people again. You should exactly. have fun. Exactly. exactly. Do it. Take what I always advise. They can't hit you. Yeah. That's what, that's Bob's favorite are, saying. There they are six of us here and six of us all tell you, go have a good time. Go do it. Go get boutiqued. Cool. I could take Taylor. We could get boutiqued together. There you it's go. not going to be nearly as much fun as if Pete did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll all three go. <laughs> Taylor, Uncle Peter's going with us. <laughs> all right, I have one from... Uh, Get the Helen Miram treatment or something. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of a the princess, queen. they turn into a queen. A fox collar. <laughs> <laughs> I love Peter Snort. I made Peter Snort. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. It's one of your most endearing qualities. I is love it. it. Is it really? Uh-huh. My snort? I love it. And we didn't do it while he was drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah, at least, at least this time I wasn't drinking something. Exactly. All right. To finish up this week, folks, um, uh, last week we introduced the first of our monthly Universal podcasts and uh, got a great, uh, got a really nice email from Darlene in Pennsylvania. She writes, Bravo on the Universal podcast. 
As a big Disney podcast fan, I am a weekly listener to your Disney-oriented podcast and was thrilled when you announced you would be doing a monthly Universal podcast as well. I'm also a Universal fan. I know both Disney and Universal. How can that be? There are very few Universal podcasts out there, and those that do exist are not very technically adept or interesting to me. I knew, however, that your team would do an excellent job, and I wasn't disappointed. The format is great, the reviews interesting, and the comments and insights always helpful. Nice job, and thanks for all the work you do on the podcasts. It certainly makes my workday go by much quicker. Well, thank you very much, Darlene. I appreciate that. We, uh, we had a great time doing the show, and we're looking forward to doing the next one. We've got some good stuff already mm-hmm. coming up for the next one. And um, just because I read your podcast here, by the way, doesn't mean you're not in the running for the contest, the Universal Contest next uh, next month, so don't worry. But we are going to send uh, you, along with everybody else whose email that we read on the show, as always, a Diz Unplugged t-shirt. And next week, next week we're going to give away, I know I said last week that it was going to be this week, but that's because I thought this was the last show of the month. But <laughs> The last show of the month is when we give away the prize. Next week, uh, sometime this week, somebody's going to be getting contacted to pick a number between 1 and 30. And then on the next week's show, we're going to open up an envelope corresponding to that number, and inside is going to be a prize. Could be a $25 gift certificate. Could be a gift certificate to the Mandara Spa. Could be mm. three-day, two-night stay at the Swan Dolphin. Could be all sorts of cool things. So it's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be next week. And, of course, we always love to hear from you. You can send us an email direct at podcast at com with your questions or suggestions. Or you could go to our podcast main page at podcast.wdwinfo.com and fill out our feedback form. And with that, that will end it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed our email segment. And we'll be back with you again next Tuesday for another edition of the Diz Unplug Roundtable. You all have a great week. Bye.